This is a Healthier Michigan podcast, episode 103. Coming up, we discuss whether or not food can positively impact our sleep. Welcome to a Healthier Michigan podcast, the podcast dedicated to navigating how we can improve our health and well-being through small healthy habits we can start implementing right now. I'm your host, Chuck Gatica, and every other week we'll sit down with a certified expert to discuss topics that cover nutrition, fitness, and a whole lot more. And on this episode, we're diving in the deep end on uh, the possibility of somehow we can positively impact our sleep by focusing on the food that we eat. With us today is registered dietitian for Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan, Susan Okankowski. Good to have you back. Thank you so much, Chuck. It's great to be back. Well, you know, I was reading, I read your bio all the time, and I somehow skip over all kinds of things. You have got such a deep, rich bio, everything from your master's from U of M in public health. And then now, how long have you been judging or peer reviewing manuscripts and helping hand out healthcare awards? Has that been going on for a while? Yeah, almost actually seven to eight years now. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's so good to have you back. And the last time that we spoke, which is very interesting, we were talking about our topic was how to combat fatigue with the food that we eat. And so now I want you to help me get fatigued so I fall asleep by the end of the podcast episode. Is that okay? Sure. We can do that today, right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's talk about this idea because for some of us, you know, we think about food and sleep and we think about going into a food coma. Thanksgiving is probably, you know, the poster child for that idea that you eat and then, you know, grandpa over there loosens his belt and then falls asleep on the couch. But then there's also, you know, sugar buzz, which turns into a downer. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that we do that can tend to lead us towards sleep, but we're talking about something a little different, something more healthful. And I guess the master question in this, are there foods that we can eat or focus on that can literally help us gain better sleep? There are, but I want to be a little bit careful about like targeting a specific food to really kind of step back and say, in order for us to have restful sleep at night, there is a lot of complex things that go into your quality of sleep. You know, it's your environment you're sleeping in. It's what you're eating during the day. So I think that's a big thing too, is not Is it only one certain food that's going to help you sleep really well at night? It's thinking about what are you eating throughout the entire day as far as are you eating healthy foods like lean protein and rich dietary fats and all of the things like the natural sugars from fruits and vegetables and the really healthy things that you put into your body all throughout the day are going to contribute to that restful sleep at night. Because like you said, Chuck, if all of a sudden you sit and have a cup of coffee right before you go to bed or you know, you're celebrating someone's birthday and, oh, it's, you know, let's have cake after dinner. And, you know, it's 830 when you're having cake and ice cream. And then all of a sudden you want to go to bed at 10 o'clock and you're like, I can't fall asleep. I feel like I'm having an issue. Is it something I ate? more than likely, you know, you just put all of that refined sugar into your body, which is going to limit and prohibit how well you're able to fall asleep. Well, uh, yeah, you mentioned coffee too. So it's a double whammy, right? Sugar and caffeine could be going in right before you're trying to nod off. Exactly. There's so many things that really to think about, like how well can I sleep? You know, it's some 
individuals out there may have certain medical conditions that interfere with the quality of their sleep and really, you know, maybe they have insomnia, maybe they have some sort of obstructive sleep apnea. So just, you know, if you're an individual out there listening today, like make sure that you work with your physician on that aspect of your sleep. But when it comes to thinking about how can I really eat something healthy? There's all kinds of other claims too. There are, you know, oh, if you eat this food before you go to bed, you're going to have just the best night of sleep, which, you know, I think we have to kind of um, look at, is this real evidence or is this something that is out there that's maybe just some sort of false claim that someone's trying to sell a product to? So, we just have to kind of take that into consideration as we're talking today as well. Well, and you know what's so interesting, and I think we are always looking in general for the magic pill, right? Like we, I don't know about me, I don't really think this way, but I know I have snacked my way toward bedtime, right? We're binging some show and we got into the third episode. We're like, we're not giving up on this one yet. And all of a sudden I'm hungry and it's late. And I'm snacking, and I don't do this, but I bet you somebody thinks, well, I've had the nacho chips and the, you know, the, the diet pop, and I'm just going to pop a melatonin, and it'll all be fine. <laughs> not really. Not really the case. Right. Well, and you said a really common thing, Chuck, too. You might have had some nachos and maybe a diet pop, or maybe you've had something else, you know, that most people, if they're staying up late, they aren't reaching for things like carrots and hummus, or they're not reaching for, you know, maybe some blueberries and raspberries to have as that like late time snack. It's often those like high carbohydrate, higher fat foods that our body tends to crave a little bit when our hormonal hunger control gets out of balance. And like you said, that's when people do reach for a melatonin because you see it advertised all the time, like, oh, melatonin is going to help you sleep. And it is a synthetic form of a hormone that your body naturally produces. And melatonin does play a really big role in your circadian rhythm and how your body knows when it's time to go to bed at night. And it can help to have that, you know, synthetic hormone for some people. But again, always advise everyone to talk with your physician about taking any sort of synthetic supplementation like that. Because also, there are foods that do have a small amount of melatonin in there, which probably is where, you know, people read some articles and they're like, oh, well, if I take tart cherry juice is an example. Now, I don't know how many of you out there, or Chuck, if you've ever tried tart cherry juice. I have. I have tried it. I don't drink it all the time, but I've tried it. Well, that actually is a food that contains a small amount of melatonin in it. So if you were to take that, you know, within 30 minutes before bedtime, some people do report, and there's been some anecdotal studies out there where they have, you know, been able to fall asleep more naturally and stay asleep for that restful night. Maybe it is due to the fact that they had that cherry juice. Or there's other foods like walnuts that have a small amount of melatonin in there. So there's other things that you can kind of, you know, try to incorporate into your dietary habits at bedtime. Milk is another one. And, you know, any form of milk, given the fact that it has that mix of some carbohydrates, some protein, that too is another one that people kind of tout as helping them to be able to stay at sleep at night. But often those foods that you hear about as like, quote unquote, maybe they're magic foods to help me sleep at night do contain a small amount of natural melatonin in them. 
Well, when you and I know you're being very cautious because you're also saying helps for some, but if let me just ask this directly: if I'm going to eat some walnuts, or I'm even going to take a supplement and drink a glass of water before I go to bed, honest to goodness, how much of that by the time it gets into my stomach, it gets digested, I then have to give back the water that I took to take the supplement? You know, I mean, how much is actually going to get into my system by the time I fall asleep? that it really is going to give me a better night's sleep versus, to your initial point, plan your day in advance so that you're really setting yourself up for a good night's sleep. Right. It's very minimal. And that's why there's not a lot of evidence-based research out there that says you can eat these foods before you go to bed to really help you get that restful night of sleep. The biggest thing that anyone out there can follow. And if they're looking to like, how can I really help out myself with sleep at night? Some of it has to do with nutrition and it is a direct correlation. If you are eating lean poultry and protein from a mix of animal and plant-based foods, and you're not consuming those refined sugars or drinking a lot of caffeine and alcohol before you go to bed, and you also have a nice environment which allows you to rest and allows your body to know that it is time to sleep, more than likely you are going to get a fairly restful night of sleep compared to, well, I'm going to, you know, drink cherry juice and have all of these other, you know, different foods right before I go to bed. And that's the key that's going to help me. So then a lot of what you're saying, I think we sometimes seeing ourselves or even those around us in our family, it's not counterintuitive. It's kind of an average, everyday, good, healthful diet. But oftentimes, a lot of people think, well, that one drink, cocktail, beverage, or a glass of wine getting close to bedtime, that's going to zonk me out. Or I've got to get that one last snack in. So sometimes that stuff just before bed is probably working against you, huh? It can. And especially when it comes to caffeine and alcohol. And caffeine is a little bit separate, right, than alcohol. Like you do hear about people, maybe they have a glass of red wine before they go to bed. And while it can help you to fall asleep quickly, the thing about having that glass of wine right before bed is that it's going to impact how your REM sleep goes into that like stage two. So you fall asleep quickly, but then all of a sudden you might find yourself waking up at, you know, three hours after you've gone to bed and you're like, why am I waking up? What happened? And you can't then fall back asleep because it's impacting, like the metabolizing of that alcohol is impacting your overall nightly sleep. So it's something to kind of think about as well. You know, I'm going to admit something here because I really don't binge eat late at night, and I typically don't binge shows. It, those two things just don't go together. If I if I am, I've got ants in my pants. I got to get up and work out, or I've, I've just got to get up. I can't sit on the couch the whole time. But that time I was speaking of earlier, where I did snack my way through a couple episodes, and I thought I'm doing okay. I think it was with some kind of popcorn. I woke up multiple times that night. I was sweating. My pillow was wet, and I know why, because my system was saying, well, I'm trying to, to digest this stuff you just threw at me, and you decided you wanted to go to sleep right now. Am I? Was that my interpretation? Was it on the money? Was that what was happening? It absolutely could have been happening, and especially if you have had, you know, any sort of snack that is heavy in carbohydrates. 
Uh. Not that it's a bad thing to have like a small snack before bed, because that's always kind of this misconception too, is like, well, I have to have dinner, you know, at six hours or four hours before I fall asleep. And that's the only way that I'm going to get a good night of sleep. It's actually a little bit false. You can have a small snack before bed, but again, like keeping that key on small snack, but it is common if you do have a larger snack that's a little bit more heavy that you will fall asleep and then all of a sudden you can wake up with like night sweats or you can wake up. I've had people even have like really bad stomach ache in the middle of the night or they wake up with heartburn. That's another really common thing that for some individuals, when you lie down, the digestive system doesn't work as well when you're just sitting upright and it can really lead to like problems with acid reflux. And which is why often they say, you know, don't eat two hours before you go to bed to allow that digestive system to really work with heavier foods that you've just taken in. Well, and here we're concentrating on food going directly to sleep, and yet you're talking, you're saying things that to me, I'm, I'm getting red flags in my brain, like you're talking about acid reflux. If you've got sleep apnea and you already could have problems with sleeping and you eat too much, you know, there could be complications in other systems of your body which in this case could be breathing, that all of a sudden you're influencing your entire system. And you just thought, you know, you had a couple handfuls of popcorn and all was well. It absolutely could. And and sometimes people don't think about that because, you know, it's just life's busy. They may have, you know, done something unusual that evening. And again, like having a late meal here or there once or a while, like you said, you know, you had that maybe um, off night where you had a little bit of a larger stack and we all do it. Like everybody is human, but you do kind of think to yourself the next day, you're like, I didn't sleep as well. Or maybe you happen to, you know, have a vigorous night of activity kind of close to bed where you were skiing or you were doing something else. And all of a sudden you find yourself lying there not being able to go to sleep. Like there, there's so many complex things that can impact your body for how can I rest well tonight that you don't think about all the time. Now, you mentioned two hours before bedtime for a meal. Is that a general rule? Is that the kind of timing we should focus on if we're looking for a restful night's sleep, about two hours of a window, a break before we start to go to bed? I would say yes, usually two to four hours, just to make sure that you give your body enough time to really go through all of those internal metabolic digestive you know, it's almost the digestive routine of breaking down all those nutrients that you had in a meal. You know, unless you're going to have just a really small meal, which most people don't do for dinner. So that's why we always say like two to four hours. And then it's not uncommon to, you know, have a small snack before you go to bed if you're not one who does intermittent fasting or something like that. And I say, you know, within 30 to 60 minutes before you go to bed. I mean, Never would I ever recommend like, oh, just, you know, have that snack on the way up the stairs as you're going to bed because that that can really impact you falling asleep and staying asleep. But it, two to four hours is, is really optimal for overall health to allow yourself to digest those nutrients in the proper way that won't give you any sort of acid reflux and also allow you to fall asleep in that natural way. Well, and you mentioned intermittent fasting, and that's a whole different episode. But the reality is if I'm going to stop eating two to four hours before I go to bed, 
and I don't eat breakfast per se until 8 a.m. the next day, chances are pretty good I've had a 12-hour fast as long as I haven't snacked. So in the sense of everything we've been reading lately about the healthfulness of you know, the circadian rhythm, and you don't even have to think of it as a fast. It's just kind of normal. That may be an, a bonus and have an upside too, right? It absolutely is. And that's why I do find it interesting when someone's like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm intermittent fasting. It's like, well, a lot of people actually do that just on a regular basis because, you know, the time and window of which you are consuming your food falls within that 10 hour time frame during the day which it's not that uncommon. And, you know, you've got, what, two kids, right? Yes. So you're a busy mom. Are there not going to be implications into your day from the beginning right to the end as a busy mom or dad or, you're, you know, you're taking care of a, you know, an aging parent at home, whatever it is, where your lack of sleep then drives you to eat stuff that maybe you shouldn't, which then becomes this vicious circle that just repeat, rinse, wash, you know, and you keep doing this through the week. So, it really does have to start the best you can handle it earlier on and through your day so that you're not influencing what's happening at night, huh? It's completely true, Chuck. And I can even think of like specific examples. And for everyone out there who's listening, like when you do have lack of sleep, sometimes against your control, right? Because you're going to have those nights. Maybe you're worried about something with your family or the world around us or whatever it is that impacts your your system where you're not sleeping properly you all of a sudden have these increased hunger hormones during the day, which not only make you hungrier per se, but they also drive you sometimes. There's research out there where it drives you to seek out those higher calorie, higher carbohydrate kinds of foods because of all of the different hormones that are working in your body to try to like regulate back to normal. So I can think of a specific example when my kids were really small, you know, and it, it was like, oh, I'm so sleep deprived. I was busy working and mm -hmm. I wanted to have like just awful foods that I normally wouldn't eat and to try to resist against that urge to say like, you know, like I really just want a piece of pizza instead of having this grilled chicken salad. It's difficult because of the way that your brain hormones are working against your lack of sleep that you've experienced. And so trying to get yourself back on track as soon as possible will then, you know, help your overall sleep and your nutrition. But it happens and it is very normal. It's, it's all about that hormone control. Well, and when you think you've come out of a cycle, for us, you know, we're in this joyful season of being grandparents now, but yet the little girls, we have four grandkids and one of them is three and one of them is going on seven. And when they come over for the sleepover, it's the three-year-old who gets up some mornings, she got up at 4.30 in the morning, Susan, and we're, oh my gosh. I mean, I spent my lifetime in TV news. I didn't go to bed, and I still don't until about 11.30 or 12. It's just the way my life was for 40 years, and I can't help it. So for me, the next day, I'm playing around, I'm running around the house, I'm, and, and all of a sudden, I'm like, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm coming down fast. And so I guess therein lies part of that is you got to figure out your healthful ways of kind of skating through your day, whether you're chasing grandkids or your own kids, to try to keep your energy level going. So when it is time to really hit the hay, you do it healthfully. Exactly. Oh, and, and it's tough, right, during those times because when you were tired in the day, I mean, we've experienced this, right? Like you reach for something like, oh, I'm just going to have maybe a cup of tea or an extra cup of coffee today because 
you know, I need this little extra pick me up during the day to kind of get through. But then all of a sudden you do, you find yourself in that vicious cycle that night when you really are like, okay, I can rest. It is time to rest that your body is not letting you rest because it's been thrown off. Well, and I, I do want to point out one other thing that I find kind of cute because there's somebody in my family who would talk about having a warm cup of milk every night. I mean, it could be 90 degrees outside and they still were heating up their milk and having a warm cup of milk, sometimes a cookie to be fair, but they would they would verbalize, well, this is what puts me to sleep. And in this conversation, it's reinforcing in my mind, actually, if that works for them, whether there's science behind it or not, and they think that's what makes them sleep better every night night, God love them. I mean, it's like, you know, this is it for you, whether it's placebo or otherwise, huh? Absolutely. And there has been, you know, there's been some research out there because milk is rich in, you know, certain nutrients that it can potentially help someone to fall and stay asleep. Because you think about, you know, foods that have B vitamins in them. And you think about, you know, the dairy and fish and lean poultry and all these other things. There can be some truth to that. And I think it's just something that we have not tapped into enough evidence-based research to say, you know, these are ultimately leading to because the human body is so complex with hormone regulation and all the other things that are happening that but I agree with you, whether placebo effect or not, if it's working, <laughs> yeah. you go for it. So if we were to start our day, if you were to look at eight o'clock in the morning, we'll just pick some arbitrary times, noon for lunch or so, and then a dinner, five, six o'clock at night. If you have kids, it may run late because you're just getting home from work. If we pick those three times, give me your idea of the healthful day that sets you up for a good night's rest. And if you want to throw in exactly what we should be eating, fine. But it's kind of a reverse engineering thing in my mind. Like, let's start at the beginning to set ourselves up for a successful end of the evening. So what would that be like? waking up and getting going. Exactly. So one of the biggest things too, in, in that day, you know, throw in some snacks, I would say number one. And then the other thing is balance your meals. And I won't go into specific foods, but if you balance each meal with a lean protein, some dietary fiber, and some type of good healthy fat. So you think about fish, avocados, maybe some nuts, legumes, like balancing those kinds of foods in every single meal that you eat, throw in a couple of healthy snacks, maybe some peppers and hummus, maybe it's, you know, an apple and some almond butter throughout the day in that eight hour to 10 hour window, you're not only balancing your blood sugar control, you are also balancing your hormonal control and you're eating things that are rich in all of the different nutrients that our body needs, vitamin D, omega-3 fatty acids, you know, B vitamins are another very critical nutrient to help you sleep at night. And when you are eating those healthy foods throughout the day and having that balanced kind of nutrient mix that I know we've talked about in the past, mm -hmm. it will set you up to then be able to fall asleep nicely at night and hopefully stay asleep through the night with your circadian rhythm. And does movement and exercise play a role in this? Obviously, you would think if it were a workout day for you, if you've got that time to carve out, that could set you up for a restful night of sleep as long as maybe that's not too close to, you know, to going to bed. But 
movement, just especially for those, whether they're working at home or now back in the office, just getting up and moving so your digestion is moving, right? Just giving yourself some of those breaks so you're not sitting all day. Absolutely. For muscle tone, muscle control, you think about all the different things that whether it's vigorous or you know low impact type of activity, moving throughout the day actually also helps you stay awake as well. Because you think about even you know, if you get into a slump in the afternoon, get up and take a small walk around the block or take a walk around your house, whatever it is, and you sit down and you almost like feel refreshed and reset. And those type of, like I said, whether vigorous or low impact activity throughout the day is going to help you sleep at night. And through that sleep, it's going to help repair tissue if you've, you know, done vigorous activity during the day. It's oftentimes you you don't want to have that vigorous exercise within an hour to 90 minutes before you go to bed, just because, you know, your cardiovascular system, give it time to kind of relax, rest, get your, you know, resting heart rate back down to normal and, you know, give your body some time to just relax before bed. Oh, we've talked about so many great things. Do you want to give us some takeaways that you think are the most important key pieces of this so we can be getting a restful night's sleep relative to what we're eating through the day? What are the what are the bullet points for us? I would say one of the biggest things is really the best sleep quality when it comes in relation to food is that try to consume, you know, adequate amount of fiber throughout the day. Foods that have natural sugars. So we're talking about, you know, fruits and, you know, dairy products, whether those be true, you know, cow dairy type products or they're almond or plant-based, whole grains, complex carbohydrates, your sweet potatoes, your brown rice, lean protein. And again, having that mix between animal and plant-based protein, and then, you know, throwing in some high quality fats to kind of round it out. If you can try to incorporate those foods into your daily routine of your nutrient mix, it will help set you up for adequate sleep throughout the night. And then also, like you said, Chuck, getting in some activity throughout the day, vigorous or low impact. And maybe even dialing down on the use of your device when you're trying to go to sleep. I know that's got nothing to do with what you're eating unless you're tempted to nibble while you're looking and you know playing your word game before you go to bed. But I just know that there's a reason that they, you can make your device dark or just put it on the nightstand and forget about it. It just makes perfect sense. Oh, it does. And it's hard to do. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is so much better for your regulation of melatonin because your melatonin is going to turn on naturally when it gets dark outside. So turning off those devices, turning off the TV, really just, you know, sitting down with a good book sometimes really will help to combat that insomnia, help you fall asleep naturally. I wholeheartedly agree with that. So I never would fall asleep during an episode with Susan Okankowski as a guest, but I have to throw in my Three Stooges imitation. And if you don't know who they are, you can search up their snore because they had the best snoring. The best, Susan, the best snoring ever because they always added... That was it. That's I don't even know if I snore like that because, of course, I'm not awake to know. I'll have to ask my Susan if that's how I sound. Oh, too funny. Well, you take care. It's sure good to have you back on the episode today and, and a very important topic. We don't necessarily think of it as much as maybe we should, but there is a way to go to bed tonight, to go to sleep and do it well. Huh? There absolutely is. And thank you so much for having me 
on again, Chuck. It was great to chat with you. Same here. Thanks. Susan Okankowski, who's a registered dietitian and a healthcare manager at Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan. We thank her. We thank you for listening to a Healthier Michigan podcast. It's brought to you by Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan. If you like the show, you want to know more, you can check us out at ahealthiermichigan.org slash podcast. Uh, we'll also put in show notes, uh, you know, trying to find that other episode we mentioned with Susan on fatigue. And of course, we've got a ton of other episodes. This is episode 103. So you can follow along. You can leave us reviews or ratings on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher to get all the new and old episodes on your smartphone or tablet. Be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. I'm Chuck Gatica. Be well.